Welcome to the HU Piratship Podcast. Welcome to the HU Pirateship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. I'm amazed that it's year four and episode number 43. I'm your host, Big Week, along with Hampton Knight from the HU Pirateship. How you been, Hampton Knight? It's been a, a, a couple months since we got together on the podcast. Yeah, well, you know, this is what happens when you're a family man and you got kids, so. <laughs> True. So, yeah, you know, priorities do go out the wayside, so uh, it's good to be back and it's good to experience, you know, Hampton sports for this coming uh, semester. So, uh, I'm just excited, just like everybody else. Yep. And members of the Big South. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. So, yeah, we'll get into that. There's a lot to talk about, so on this episode, we'll give some our early impressions of the football program under Coach Prunty. Uh, we'll talk about the football schedule, uh, discuss some impact players, talk about game number one against the Shaw Bears, and then we'll just uh, spend some uh, couple minutes on the men's basketball schedule, at least a non-conference schedule, and the women's basketball non-conference schedule. And then we'll follow with the MEAC and the HBCU watch. Uh, so we want to stay connected to what's going on over there. So we'll have some thoughts on the MEAC, especially what's going on over there. So um, let's jump on into uh, football opening weekend and early impressions of the football program. So what I can tell is that um, uh, Coach Prunty definitely definitely came from a BCS or BCS teams and is bringing that experience. I mean, the, the practices and communications and things are much more crisp and informative and uh, compared to the pre previous regime. Um, so it, it is, it seems to be a little bit more professionalized and, um, um, and, and purposeful in, in what they're trying to do. So um, that is cool. There is definitely an emphasis on special teams. Uh, Frontier is highlighting, uh, the, the, you know, the long snappers and the kickers and how he purposefully went through and got those guys and appear to be uh, paying some dividends early on. So at least in practice. So. Uh, special teams has been an emphasis compared, especially compared to the last couple of years uh, under uh, Maynard. They were a disaster. So, Prunty, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a great ambassador for the program and for the school. I mean, he, he's a salesman, and he's um, all his appearances have been pretty cool, man. So, he, he's got his 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 uh, his pitch down. So, I think he's making believers of some folks, and it looks like the team is buying into what he's selling. So. And, you know, it's going to be a completely new defense. I mean, there's going to be some, some guys coming back on the back end, but front seven is going to be pretty new. So um, got some, some pretty strong guys there, especially in the linebacking corps. But um, the, line, the defense is going to be work in progress as they try and rotate guys in and out. But they have a lot of bodies, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how all that meshes. So this is a, a new program, a lot of things, moving parts and new people and, and, and new schemes. What do you think, Hampton Knight? What are you seeing? 
Well, first thing I want to say is, Coach Prunty, if you're listening, well done so far. Well done. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I think some of the interviews that I have watched him uh, conduct, whether it's on the Daily Press or Wavy, uh, Wavy 10 or 13 News Now, or hell, even the uh, new show that him and Director Marshall <laughs> is <laughs> on. And first thing, let me just say this about Director Marshall. He needs some media training. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no shot. We love you. We love you, Gene. But Scripps Howard School of Journalism is right there. I'm sure that they can give you a couple of pointers. Hey, you know what? He's been good, though. Surprise. Just to jump in. Surprising. He's been pretty good when he does the broadcasts with the games. Have you heard, though? I mean, he's, he's a lot oh, yeah. better there. <laughs> he's really good. And you know what, though? That just goes to show that he's multifaceted when it comes to being an AD being a, a upfront, I would say, uh, figure, you know, for the program and being a seller. You know, he, he knows exactly what he's looking for. And I, I really appreciate that about him. And then and then when I look at um, Prunty, um, the first thing I've noticed about him is that he does his homework on everything. Everything, so, man. Everything. <laughs> I, and, I, I hope my memory is that good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that is why I am clapping. And the reason why I'm clapping is because if you if you see the video that he just uh, put out with the AD, when he talked about, you know, the history of the university, he talked about Dr. Harvey. I mean, yeah, of course, he's a Hamptonian, too. And he knew about the, you know, he knew everything about the school. And the fact that he knows, he knows a lot of the actual um, details of the school helps them to sell it to recruits and to uh, future students. And if you do, if you know that up front, then that's a good thing. But then when you talk about him on the field, the first thing he noticed when he said that uh, Hampton lost a lot of games based upon poor special team play. You know, we had we didn't have a long snapper last year. We had a kicker as a long snapper, which was absolutely horrible. I mean. I mean, he just wasn't suited to be a long snapper. And we lost safeties, and he said it perfectly. He said the Monmouth game. Then he said the uh, we lost the game on, uh, remember, the Bethune-Cookman game where we lost it by a kick. You know, so the fact of the matter is he, his first goal was to fix special teams because it was a problem. And so when you see this, then you know a person that this person actually gets it. You know, he, he and then... And then if you notice the, the little things that he has done around the program, I mean, this is the first time Hampton University football has been very open when it comes to social media. That's true. Their, their Twitter account is, I mean, I know these young kids say lit, but <laughs> I'm sorry, we're a little older. But their Twitter account is, I would say, very engaging. And that's what I like more about it is because – like I think uh, yesterday, the vice president, not the vice president of Hampton University, showed up to practice. Then Dr. Harvey showed up to practice for the, I guess their their fall game. And then they uh, there was videos out of them. You know, I guess they were showing like uh, the line, the O line and the D line doing seven on seven drills. You know, these are type of things we have not seen about the program. And see. What I like about this is the fact it's not for the alumni and the fans of the program to get to see it. It's for potential recruits to see this. And so they're seeing that they're seeing a program that, you know, embraces everything about being a pirate. And that's what I like about it. And the last thing I would say is 
if you've gone into the uh, the football offices, it's total gut. They ain't totally redone it. And the fact of the matter is, when now there's new paint everywhere, there's new, there's actually photo, uh, like I guess they put images on the wall of the current team. So that to me screams of just something that this program hasn't seen since the Taylor days, and. He actually is taking a couple things out of the Joe Taylor handbook, but he's actually added a lot of his own stuff. And that's what I think makes him very authentic. And I'm very, very um, appreciative and I'm very excited to see what happens this fall. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's right on. Like, this is his program, Coach Brennan's program. Like, sometimes when a new coach slides in, they're kind of tiptoeing around and trying not. He, he dove right in, man his stamp right on this thing so um you know it'll be interesting but i do think though remember, remember when he was hired and we were trying to figure out what he was about i mean he, I mean, he definitely has forgotten more football and schematics than i'll ever know but mm-hmm. you know we were you know definitely knew that he was a salesman and, and good communicator uh but we weren't sure about the, the x's and o's so i still want to see where that goes I want, you know, I want to see what the, 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 the assistants, you know, implement and how that translates. Um, so I, I want to see what the scheme schematics look like. But so far, Prunty is everything that we thought he would be, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing about it is, I think it was on the 4th of July, he hosted a cookout at his house. And literally all the players came just, you know, to get familiarity. And, you know, this type of thing, you know, Joe Taylor did this, and, you know, it was a, a huge thing, you know. So I'm not saying that he, he just did it off of the Joe Taylor book, but the fact of the matter is he gets it. And so that's what I think, you know, helps. And, you know, I am excited to get to learn about um, Brian White's offense, you know, to see what he has in store. We and we, we did do some research on his, uh, his previous offense <laughs> at uh, – <laughs> And you know what? It was, uh, I would say it was pretty interesting. It wasn't, you know, it, it, I called it more of a grits and gravy type of offense. It wasn't like, it wasn't flashy. You know, it was, it was straight up. It was kind of reminded me of a smash mouth style of football. And it was at Rose Holman. And, you know, they ran a lot of, uh, they, you know, it was heavily focused on that running back and, you know, some, you know, a lot of read option plays, but it, it, it looked efficient. So excited. Yep. Well, based on uh, the personnel, seems yeah. like we, we, we got a lot of running backs. We got a, oh, yeah. a, a good line coming back. So questions at the quarterback. Uh, it seems like, you know, we need to run the ball this year. So that actually <laughs> <laughs> might be <laughs> the best thing for us. So. That's good, man. That's good. So, hey, let's talk about the football schedule. Now, we're independents this year, right? So, uh, because the MEAC snubbed us and said nobody can play us and the Big South was too late to, uh, you know, they couldn't include us really in their schedule. So, we're independents. Um, the schedule was put together under great duress, but props to Marshall and everyone for putting this thing together. It's, it's a mess, but it is a schedule. And there are some interesting games, especially early on. Um, so quick, let's go through this thing real quick. Um, we open up the, the, this week against uh, at, with Shaw at home. Then we're at uh, Monmouth. Um, then we played Monmouth pretty close last year. We should have beat them. And they, Monmouth <laughs> was a playoff team. 
So that'll be interesting up in New Jersey. Um, then we have Tennessee State at home, uh, first uh, Division One HBC on a, HBCU on the schedule. Then we're at Northern Iowa. That's a big game. Um, they're a really good team. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Um, so that'll be a good test for the Pirates. Then we got Charleston Southern at home. Um, that'll be we, that's a competitive game. We should be able to. Uh, do some damage there. Then we have Lane at home. It's another HBCU uh, Division II team. Then we're at Presbyterian. I think they're in South Carolina, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah, they are. Yep. So we'll be at Presbyterian uh, October 13th. Then this is where the schedule gets interesting. Um, we have we're at you know we have Virginia, Virginia University at Lynchburg at home October 27th. That's our homecoming. Uh, then we're at SUNY Maritime. Uh, that, that's that's an interesting game on the road. <laughs> I think they like Division Three, right? Or yeah, look, they just want to play four games, full schedule. So. <laughs> that's right. That's what you got to do with it. Right. What kind of phone call was that? You know what I'm saying? Like when you called them, what what that that must have been interesting to negotiate. We have to get that. some some of these transfers some tape so they can go to the league, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. So at SUNY Maritime, and then we at Mississippi Mississippi Valley State, uh, November tenth. That should be interesting. A, a swack a swack school. They're not good. So uh, at least last year. So and they're not projected to be good again this year. So that'll be a nice uh, Division One opponent uh, to at the end. And then we have St Andrews at home. I have no idea who they are. You have you know who they are? Where they from? Heck no, yeah. never heard of them. Never heard of them. So. Yeah. It's an interesting schedule. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of interesting phone calls are made to put this thing together. So what they have a schedule. Um, it is, you know, they are, the Pirates are eligible for a playoff uh, at large berth. But, I mean, well, they got to kick butt, almost go, like, undefeated. Yeah. They definitely got to go undefeated. Some of these teams, they got to lay 50 to 70 on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They got to be uh, dominant. Yeah, and, and you know, just starting from Shaw University, the first game, you know, their 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 starting quarterback was our backup a couple of years ago. Remember Keon Marsh? Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. You, you know, uh, pretty decent arm. You know, uh, pretty tall. You know, tall fella. I think he was six three. Uh, I would say he had a yeah. I would say he had a live arm. Um, I just think he didn't step into a lot of his throws. Um, they like to throw the ball a lot, so. You know, I think that will, you know, I, I think they'll probably <laughs> surprise us early and we'll just beat Shaw. Monmouth, you know, I remember Prunty said in the um, interview that we lost the game. Uh, I think we had a safety because of a bad uh, a bad snap from the long snapper last year. And, you know, Tennessee State at home, I think, will be probably a real good test because, you know, Tennessee State always, I would say, is probably the top five team in, in HBCU football. Hey, can I you jump know? in there real quick? Sure, tonight? sure. So we mentioned, that we mentioned the long snapper from last year just to, yeah. to let, let it sink in for folks what the situation was. All right, like you said, our kicker was the long snapper. Yeah. Yeah, he was like a buck. Buck forty, man. Yeah, Anthony Prevost. He yeah. was like five six. Like, no, okay. I don't want to say he's five six. He may nah, yeah, like, he might have been five six. Yeah, he might have been five six and a long snapper. Man. That just goes to show you the previous regime. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he could have get like 
even Don Rose had uh, Dylan Kearns for four years and a good, pretty, a very good long snapper. So, yeah. I mean, you just can't just. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I hate to throw sand at the other, uh, the last regime. Hey, but that, that, that's a, that's fireable offense. I mean, that gets you fired. It's a very fireable offense. That gets yeah. You fired. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just spend all his scholarships on flashy, fast, you know, receivers that couldn't do anything. So, <laughs> so sorry about that, man. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> yeah, and then Tennessee State, I think, you know, that'll probably be a tough game at home. I do think that, you know, if we I well, I don't know what type of team this is. So I'm just gonna say that I'm just gonna leave that up in the air. I think do think we'll probably get a win there. Northern Iowa at Northern Iowa, very tough. So I'm not gonna say anything about that. I'm just gonna say that's gonna be an extremely tough game. Charles Charleston Southern at home, you know. They always have been a good program, so I think that will be very tough. But, you know, that is definitely a, a, a game that you can't win. Lane College, I've been to Lane College. It shouldn't be a college. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we'll probably – I mean, oh, God. I mean, Lane College, if they can field a proper team, you know, I think, you know, our third team would probably would, would, would stomp them. <laughs> Presbyterian, I think, will win. We'll definitely win at uh, homecoming. And the rest of these other programs, I'm not even going to name. Uh, Mississippi Valley State probably will be, I would say, closer than expected because they do have a new regime. But it'll be towards the end of the year for both programs. Normally, Mississippi Valley State always, uh, they start off strong and you know in the season. And then once it gets down, once they get, I would say, you know, through the meat of their schedule, their SWAC schedule, which is Jackson State, you know, Alcorn, you know, Texas Southern, Southern, and Grambling. Once they play that gauntlet, they're mainly done for the year. So I would just say that we'll probably, you know, we'll probably definitely, I wouldn't say eke out a win, but, you know, it'll be closer than expected. And then the rest of these programs, you know, I'm just not even going to waste my time on. Yeah, that's a good idea. So you think, I mean, so it sounds like you're thinking, you know, eight and three. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I would like to say um, ninety-two, but eight and three, I think, is um, is manageable. I don't. I think we could beat Monmouth. Um, we literally should have. We we should have beat them last year, and I. I mean, we should have beat them. You know, we had them on their own one-yard line, and one of our players jumps off sides. <laughs> literally, I mean, I was literally right there, and I could just see the coaches just. Wanting to have a heart attack on the sideline. I understand that. I understood their pain. You know, youthful exuberance. Um, I do think that we'll, we. We'll, I think the Tennessee State game will be a toss up. You know, either here or there. I don't think we'll touch. We'll be able to beat Northern Iowa at Northern Iowa. And I do kind of think that Charleston Southern is a toss up as well. So yes, I am looking at about an eight and three season. Yeah, that's no, all right. Yeah, that would love to say nine and two, but you know this is an early, early um, season for um, for uh, Pronti, and so we just don't know what to expect. Yeah, nine and two would be a coup d'état. Yes, we we haven't had a a. I say okay, hold on. Don Rose had an eight win season at one point, but it was kind of like uh, everything just fell right, you know. Uh, David Legree was, you know, basically just playing out of his mind. And then he gets hurt like the last game of the year. And we had Travis Champion and Brad Hudson as quarterbacks. And both of those guys were abominable. 
and we lost. That was the first time we lost to Howard in 15 years, seven to nothing at Armstrong. Pitiful game. Oh, yes. I, I forgot about that. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. All right, no, I'm agreeing. Yeah, I think I think eight and three that would be a good a good a good start uh, for Prunty, and uh, yeah. nine and two would be a coup, and that's when you start maybe sniffing the playoffs. Depends on mm. how we lost those two and who we lost them to. So that would be a good start for, for uh, this regime. So let's jump on to the impact players. So I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, man. Not a lot of new guys. We lost some folks to transfer and oh. eligibility, some some hurtful transfers too. Woo. So, um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So let's look at <clears throat> who's coming back um, or who we'll have, uh, who we definitely know who will make an impact. We got Ronald Bell coming back. He led the team receptions last year. Good possession guy, uh, slot guy, able to make some plays, keep the chains moving. Uh, we got Malik Mackey coming back. He's rounded in the form. I remember, you know, freshman year, he was a big guy, you know. Stiff. Yeah, stiff. But he's, yeah. He's looking he a lot more athletic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, he wears those knee braces. So, you know, it's like, dude, you got to get down a little lower, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, he they, he was third team on MIAC last year. So they're looking at him to anchor the offensive line. Um, so he'll be back, and we, of course, got Shy McKenzie back. The, uh, she started out at Virginia Tech, and he's a bruiser. Uh, he's going to get a lot more carries this year in, in this offense. And then we got Capri Doucette. He's an interesting guy. Uh, where did he go to? Uh, Bruton or Keegan? Uh, yeah, 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 he's one of those guys that kind of been around a lot. <laughs> yep. And lastly, yeah. he was in Oklahoma, and at, at Oklahoma. Yeah, um, but he's a, a fast sideline to sideline guy. He's almost he's like a Raheem Husky from last year, but yeah. just probably faster. Yeah. So he'll he'll make an impact, um, you know, if, if healthy, um, which he's projected to be. So I can't think of anyone else. There's a lot of new recruits, uh, freshmen that Prunty brought in. I think we're gonna have 23. Uh, yeah. F uh, Division One transfers on the squad, so a lot of opportunities for guys to make plays. But is there anyone else that you could think of, Hampton Knight, who you project to make an impact this year? Um, well, you know, I'm gonna go back on the defensive side of the ball. I'm gonna say number nine, Oral Varcian. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, he's a hitter. Man. Oh yeah, man. yeah. He, oh yeah, that kid. And he, he's from uh, my home state. I uh, went to Latonia High School, so I know they they play really good ball there. And then another guy that I think is going to get pro, it was a lot of pro potential, uh, Tank Scott, number 11. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, you know, he to me is, you know, he is, he, he's a spark plug on the defense. And, you know, I know we like to talk about um, Ronald Bell. I think he, well, he he's done a lot. But I also uh, lament the loss of Alden Knight, and I really wish we could have kept him. But right now he's up at uh, Cincinnati, and, you know, I wish him luck there. But I also think that Darian Carr, you know, that you know that whole safety with Scott, Carr, and Barcian, man. That And, you know, we always never bring up this kid, you know, Shaka Derasuba, you know, number 34. He's been steady. And he's always um, he, he even started his freshman year, you know. So I I just think that um, he uh, I mean he does he doesn't give you the picks. He's not he's he's not I wouldn't say a ball hawk, but he's a great tackler ta- tackler. 
and he know he has a good nose for the ball. So this is why I like to bring him up more. And he provides a lot of leadership. So he, to me, those four guys to me are guys that are already there that I know can establish themselves on defense. Yeah, that's true. You know, one thing about um, Shaka, like you said, like, what, it's been interesting. Maybe this year he can put it all together because, like, like he, yeah. he doesn't make a lot of flashy plays, but when he yes. plays, like, he's just yes. around the ball and around the ball. and people yeah. go down. But then yeah. and then, then you won't see him the next game. Like, yeah. he's not even dressed or, like, something, you know, just got – Something happened. Yeah, yeah. something. You, you, he's always on the side. And then you, it'll be, like, a, cr- a critical third and, let's say, third and 14. And he's not even – you know, even though where the defensive players are lined up, ready to go in as subs, he's like on the opposite end, just, you know, looking in the stands. And you're just like, is that a character issue? <laughs> uh, did he have an issue with the coaches? You know, that's just one thing that, you know, we don't know about. But every time he's been in the game, though, you know, he's always made that tackle. Yeah, you notice him, you know. And you, and you do know, yeah, you, you notice it. And that's just the one thing that I guess you you are right about that we do not know about. But um, also, you know, we can talk talk about the defensive line as well. You know, guys like um, I mean, we we don't like. I know it's tough to see Joshua Swilling. Yeah, that I, that was tough, man. That was a really hard one to lose. You know, but you know, there's Ian Newton, uh, Omar Smith, because I and I really was impressed with him last year. And, of course, Devontae Sproul. You know, he's – I don't know, how long has that kid been in this school? <laughs> <laughs> and and then and he transferred too, right, from yeah, East Carolina? Yeah, from East Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the same. <laughs> 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 I mean, that young man, he looks like he could be – he looks like he could be like uh, – like, like he, he looks old enough to be my uh, – like my younger brother, you know, you know, or late 30s, you know, but – Hey, he's still here. We still need him. So, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that those are impact players. I would say that they're more. Um, they're guys that you know been around the program and know what to expect. Right. Hey, you mentioned um, one thing that that receiver who who transferred. What's his name? Uh, Alden Knight. Alden Knight. Now he transferred to Cincinnati. And uh, we're also bringing in a transfer from Cincinnati. So we're almost <laughs> like swapping. I forget who he is. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes with it. Swapping wideouts. Yeah. I mean, all the night to me, I thought, I thought, well, I mean, we, we saw him. Then he had his breakout game against Delaware State where he caught two long touchdown passes. Then he caught more touchdown passes at, um, against, uh, was it, uh, Livingstone. And then we... Saw him at play, fan knew where he caught another touchdown pass. And then, for some reason, defenses keyed on him, and he never saw him again. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just thought that, I mean, maybe that could have been an offensive uh, scheme issue where they could have worked to give him the ball more. But, I mean, if you watch the tape, we've we watched those games, you know. He just was not getting the ball. Or the routes that he was running were just – Short routes, and I, I didn't get it. But. Well, well, you know something, and this may be—I mean, all coaches. It seems like, unless your your quarterback is like dynamite, no coach settles on a quarterback. So, even yeah. um, uh, Prunty hasn't settled on Delmon Williams being the starter, and I know he missed a lot. He had a lot of mental mistakes 
oh, yeah. last Absolutely. year. So, I mean, there were times where that receiver was running wide open and Delmon yeah, is like, <laughs> I don't know where yeah. he's looking at. And you saw the, you saw Maynard just almost just lose his mind. Yes. And I can understand, and you know, it's like you can understand why, because, you know, you just don't leave, I would say, meat on the grill like that, you know? Yeah. So that's why, you know, if you read the new Daily Press article, they're talking about that. Prunty said, listen, it's a three-man battle. Yeah. You got... Williams, Green, and this new kid um, from uh, was it Coastal Carolina, Austin Bradley. Mm-hmm. So you know you got three players that are ready to go. You know, so we do know what Delmon can do. We've seen Brendan Green, and I do think that Brendan Green, it, you know, he, he he doesn't add much more than what Delmon can do. But I think that it, the ball spins a little bit different with him, and you know, well I. I just trust the coaches to make the right decision. Yeah. I mean, just because Delmon, you know, had a decent season last year doesn't mean that he should be the starter next year. Yep, true that, true that. So, hey, we'll be saying in a couple of days, but I'm, I'm, my gut says Delmon starts. Yeah, or, you know, but and then we got to think about this too. It's Shaw. So, <laughs> I mean, that game better be a blowout. Yeah, so better. I'm, I'm sure better. we should see about two to three quarterbacks that game. So Yeah, man. Speaking of Shaw, um, the Pirates open with Shaw at with the Shaw Bears at home this Saturday at six PM at Armstrong Stadium. Um, so Shaw Bears, in case folks don't know, they're another HBCU a Division Two program out of Raleigh, members of the CIAA. We played a lot especially going back to our days in the CIAA. I, I always kind of follow Shaw because um, I live down here in the Triangle, so I, I see them. I try and go see them play uh, at least once a year, especially if I ain't got much going on. So I saw them play last year, and they're not good. Just <laughs> straight up, they're not, they're not good. So unless they got a lot of guys coming in, um, uh, this should uh, be a nice, good game to start off the season for Pirates. Um, Shaw's uh, picked to finish eighth in the CIAA this year, and that's pretty much it, man. Not much else. I mean, it's not really – I don't really have much else to say. I try to look into them, but they're not good. So what, what, what are your thoughts, man? I'm not going to waste my time on them. I mean, they're <laughs> not going to waste my time. All I know is we had a, uh, a quarterback that we discarded, unfortunately, and he plays for Shaw, and – he wasn't good enough to beat out J.J. Williamson. So that says a lot about him. Oh, man. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that says it all. So. Yes. <laughs> hey, is that game going to be on? Now, one one thing we didn't mention, like, all of the Pirates games, like soccer and volleyball and f- football, that's going to be on ESPN Plus, I think. Yeah. On, on the Big South Network. So this should be on that network this Saturday, right? Um, I, I did, I went on the Pirates website and I did, you know, normally where you can see the schedule, it'll say like watch live. I did not see the yeah. the actual option for it. So, um, if, uh, the sports information director, um, is it Jim Heath? If you're watching, if you're listening, please, you know, the alums want to know about this. Where can we watch the games? It used to be Hampton Nation. We understood that, you know, it's different now. So, please, let us know where we can watch the games. Thank yeah, you. True. Good, good. 
public service announcement yes. <laughs> for the Packers. So, so yeah, this Saturday got the show Bears. Hope everyone stays healthy, get the depth chart solidified, and get out with the W. So, uh, quickly, let's move on to the men's basketball schedule. So, uh, they got the non-conference schedule out. It's pretty uh, underwhelming, I guess. They play a lot of local teams. They play Richmond. They play VCU. Uh, William and Mary, Coastal Carolina, some other small teams. But the highlight of the schedule for me is uh, that we'll be playing Norfolk State and Howard uh, at their places, <laughs> respectively. So, kind of get an idea of what this thing is going to turn into. I guess the basketball coaches aren't in their feelings and are allowed to <laughs> schedule <laughs> the best, uh, make the best schedule for them, uh, their team, respectively. So. That's the best part about the schedule. I mean, they got a tough game. They got VCU. They got Cal. But I'm happy that we're playing the Bison and the Spartans, man. So, yeah. um, as far as the women, uh, they're not playing any HBCUs, man. Uh, for the, for the, maybe they did it too early. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand that. But you know, let me just start with the men's first. Um, first thing I've noticed is that. The fact of the matter is, you know, we're starting off. We're starting off with mid Mid Atlantic Christian game. That's our preseason. So then we got heavy hitters with VCU, Cal University of Cal, and Bowling Green. I would say they're kind of middle of the pack. You know, so that's up in the air. But then remember, we're playing um, Loyola Detroit Mercy. That's um, who's the coach that just left Texas Southern. Uh, Mike Davis. Mike you know, Davis, uh, yeah. Yeah, Matt Loud, you know, the loud, uh, storm the court, Mike mm-hmm. Davis. We trapping the balls, yeah. <laughs> Uh He left Texas Southern in the lurch. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I see that. And, um, I mean, I, I know I can just see, what, two and five. And then University of Richmond, you know, I think we could beat them. But then, of course, we got Norfolk State at uh, Eccles. And I know we're going to hear it from their fans because they, you know, they feel a particular way of Hampton University leaving the MEAC. And you know what? I think that the team that we have in place that's coming in, you know, uh, this is a team that has gone to the MEAC tourney, uh, that has either won the MEAC tourney or always played in the championship game the past three out of four years. This team will be built for it. So I'm not really worried about Norfolk State, you know, um, and I don't want to get into it now about, you know, their thoughts about, you know, our move. So, you know, I just think that we're taking the battle and the fight to them. And if they want to say something about it, then they could do something on the basketball court, which they haven't been successful at in the past couple of years. Um, Then, you know, of course, uh, we may marry at home. So. That's a good game. And then playing Howard in D.C., you know, I think that uh, and it will be at the uh, the Washington Wizards training facility or the new one they're building. That's right. Yeah, I think that is a, that's a classy move. So I, uh, I I would enjoy that. I will be there for that. And um, I do think that, you know, Howard has been very receptive about Hampton and their plans on their, um, how we have left. And we're going to reciprocate that love back to them. Bison, that's good stuff, man. I mean, we gotta play. We gotta play those two teams, and then I, I imagine that we'll get some more on the schedule. So, do you think this is a strong schedule? Like, what, what, what does this schedule 
say what is it i mean is there anything um, okay. redeeming you know what what what's you know There's sometimes no, you can look at the schedule and be like yeah that's great to get you prepared for something but i i don't uh, feel that <laughs> i just feel like no, it's a schedule i would just say that um playing saint peter's at saint leo university mid-atlantic christian and regent university you know those to me are gimme games like you better win them games mm-hmm. and then uh, William & Mary really never has had a strong basketball program. And Norfolk State and, of course, Howard are kind of at the bottom, you know. So I'm, I, I think it's a, I mean, it's a very winnable schedule. But, you know, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a winnable schedule, I'll just say, from that, from, the, from that point. And I think it will affect our RPI. Um, but I'll just say this, too, you know, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I like the team that is in place, but I just think that I think, you know, once we start playing, maybe was it the big South schools, then that will pretty much help us, you know, in the RPI rankings as well. But, you know, to me, this is our first foray into the conference and we need to win some games. So, you know, I don't I don't I, I don't want to go into, you know, conference play. And, you know, we done got bloodied up by playing uh, Michigan one night and then the next night we're playing UVA, you know. So, you know, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, one, one thing that did stand out to me was that, um, you know, this this schedule is not pimping out the players. Like, it's, um, it is, you know, we're not playing like all these money money games. Yeah. So um, that, that, that says something. Yeah, we really don't need the money. Not like I'm not like these other programs, but I am glad we we have stayed steered clear clear of that. Yep, no doubt. And any thoughts on the women's schedule? I really I don't have any any thoughts. <laughs> uh, you know what? To me, it's just kind of like a it's kind of like a hodgepodge. You know, um, it's kind of all over the place. You know, I mean, we're playing Florida Atlantic Christian and Samford Elon. And, you know, Cornell, Columbia, I mean, he's a good program, Stephen F. Austin, you know, it's just to me, it's just like sometimes schedules, you'll get a schedule that has rhythm to it. Like, OK, you're going to be in Florida for you're going to play Florida Atlantic, Florida International, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, a school in South Georgia, like Valdosta State or something. But, you know, I'm seeing. Schools that are, you know, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga's coming, James Madison's coming, Sanford are coming, that's in, this is in Hampton, Elon's coming. Those are winnable games. But, you know, then we're going to uh, North Carolina State and Stephen F. Austin, Albuquerque, New Mexico. But that's a tournament. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, Sacramento State, and uh, Cornell and Columbia, you know. I, you know, it's just it's a different schedule, but you know we'll just have to see how it goes. Yep, yep, true that. And like you said, I mean it's really, really, we're really gonna make make some hay when we start playing a conference schedule, just like with the men, the, the women will do the same thing. So I'm interested, interested to see the Big South schedule and how we fare there. So um, that's that's good stuff. Now on to. The final segment uh, we'll talk about every week. We're gonna still talk about the MEAC and other HBCUs. Just want to be prominent because um, we have to remind folks that we are still an HBCU. Uh, hopefully, we'll always be an HBCU. 
And uh, we, we follow no HBC. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, man, I, you know I'm, I'm, I, I'm hopeful, you know, that we will always remain HBC. Um, but you never know. Um, <laughs> stranger thing. Who, who thought we'd be in the Big South, man? So. <laughs> no, we, we knew that we were going to leave the MEAC sooner or later, you know, because Harvey's been having a fascination with getting getting into the CAA. That's true. And, I, you know, I just think we ain't ready for that yet. But <laughs> yeah, We will always be HBCU, right? Let me, let, me, let me stay positive there. So we will always be HBCU, so we'll always be interested in and follow HBCU sports. And it will follow the MEAC because we'll be playing them regularly, um, almost like a sister conference. So, um, you know, we're, we're always going to be interested and talk about some of the more interesting storylines coming out of the MEAC and HBCU sports. So for me, Hampton Knight, and I think we just kind of talked about this offline, is the amount of hate that is there uh, for this move to the Big South. Like, I don't want to call individuals out but i mean i've gotten some on the street but it's like yo y'all going yeah. to the big south like i'm like yo man i ain't i ain't make the call so exactly uh, it ain't me so i'm just i'm hoping for the best for the school but i mean you know i've, I've there's been some bewilderment and straight up hate man and and just petty hate too like what what are your thoughts on the hate for for the move um you know what man first thing i've noticed is you know it was like uh it was a little bit of shock and then it was a little bit, why? And then when I think the actual parameters of why we left, you know, how we could save where it comes to, a, they say, uh, travel expenses. And we're both in a, a, a occupations or in a career where we're always looking at the bottom line. In Hampton University, you know, I would say is a school that is a, is a program. Well, and Marshall knows it's the AD. He um, does not want to overspend for anything, and it makes good financial sense to be in a situation where there is excess or there is uh, funds available. And I think sometimes when we were traveling to Tallahassee, and you know, we're if you notice, we're flying charter jets down there, charter planes down there, staying at a really nice hotel, and you know, then you get blown out by. Uh, for the AM, you know, and that was just like what uh, two year, two seasons ago, or we played them for homecoming, yeah. and then we played Bethune Cookman last year, you know, in uh, Daytona, and we lost there too. You know, those are expensive trips, and to be honest, you know, I think a lot of the times that we're not seeing the return when it comes to uh, the home games. You know, I mean, yeah, we can play FAMU, they might bring a crowd. But they're not bringing that much of a crowd. And I mean, AT brings a crowd. South Carolina State really didn't bring a crowd. Morgan doesn't bring a crowd. So, it's, I mean, hell, if we could play, like, Monmouth brought a crowd. They did, yeah. They, 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 they did, you know. I mean, so that's why I'm, I, I, I say that don't look at it as that because, hey, you know, if another team could bring a crowd into Armstrong, then we happy. And if you think about it, for our fan base, you know, that is in the North Carolina region, the Virginia region, and the D.C. region, those games, you can still see the Pirates. So, you know, I just, and so when it comes to the hate, man, I think a lot of the times the, you know, there's the racial angle first, you know, like we get a lot of, 
Master Harvey said, what Master Harvey get? <laughs> you know, Master, you know, Master Harvey was a head slave, man. You know, he uh, first of all, that is I mean, that to me is very disgusting, you know. I mean, without Dr. Harvey, you know, a lot of these other HBCUs would be in in so much trouble. And to be honest, I mean, let me say Norfolk State in general, because that's where I think we've gotten the, the majority of the actual hate. When Norfolk State always has an issue in Norfolk, whether it's from the Virginia, the, the pilot, the Virginia pilot, or from Wavy 10, and they're always on their campus talking about something that went on, whether it's uh, their nursing school, you know, loses accreditation, or, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're trying to uh, merge them with ODU, or something's happened at the school, like there's a mugging at the school, you know, it shines the worst, they shine the worst light on that school. And when something happens at ODU, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's just, you know, it's just boys will be boys. And the first people that speaks up for ODU are folks from Hampton, especially Hampton University, because we look at Norfolk State as, you know, we all in the same game with this. And, you know, we always attack the uh, Virginia pilot when they try to smear Norfolk State. But then they turn around and then, you know, call us names like, oh, these Negroes too good to be in the MEAC with, with, the, other, with, with, with the other black folk. <laughs> You know, that, you know, it's just like, what? It's not that. It's just that we got, it's like, first of all, we care about our money. That's all we care about. And this is a financial move for us. Now, we don't know how much money we will get, but the fact of the matter is we know how much we saving. So, I mean, if you could just look at it from that point specifically, then you could stop the hate. And, and I just... I just think that a lot of the time people speak with emotion and I am not speaking with emotion. The fact of the matter is we, um, I'm the ADCs are receipts of folks who's paying. <laughs> I obviously ain't enough MEAC folks showing up and it don't make sense to send folks to, to play uh, South Carolina state in Orangeburg when ain't nobody going down there. And the fact of the matter is there's, the hotel accommodations aren't good in Orangeburg. <laughs> or, <laughs> or the fact that the matter is, I mean, we ain't getting no bang for the buck in it anyway. The, the Celebration Bowl only pays. I mean, it pays everybody, but, eh, I mean, ha- has it worked wonders for a Absolutely. But, you know, we ain't in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I mean, to me, to be honest, the hate, I just think it's, that's the racial uh, angle to it. You know, I already said the financial angle, I think, is better. And then to be honest, you know, the fact that, you know, all of the games are um, will be uh, televised, I think that is a very strong angle. And the last angle I would say from a purely sports angle, I do think that the team that beat Iowa State, had it been, had we been in the inside, uh, in the Big South, you know, when we were in the MEAC that year, we wouldn't have been a 15 seed. We'd probably have been a 10 seed or maybe 11 seed. And the team that preceded them um, that went on to play UConn in 2002, I believe, um, they were a 15 seed. And I remember Karan Butler was a star of that team and Emeka Okafor. And they said it right after the game. That wasn't a 15 seed. That was a 10 seed. That was a 9 seed. So I do think that if we would have been in the Big South that year, we probably would have had a higher seat and we'd have had a chance to go to a, a Sweet 16 or at least uh, at least not play, you know, the big dogs in the beginning. 
So I just think from that ans- um, that angle that, you know, everybody has to look at it. And a lot of us, unfortunately, are still talking about the MEAC being good to us. You know, <laughs> I mean, we have been in the CIAA and the MEAC, and they've been very good. But unfortunately, things changed. And let's be real. It's not just Hampton that's thinking about moving. You don't think A&T is looking up right now? At, they just beat Jacksonville State, and they just beat Grambling on national TV, and they just beat—they uh, beat—they uh, beat Alcorn State the year before. I mean, well, the, not the year before, but you know, they went to the playoffs the year before, and then after and before that, they beat Alcorn State with Tariq Cohen. The fact of the matter is, they're sitting here thinking like, okay. Shoot, we can get out of here too, mm-hmm. and we can make some good money. And so, I mean, stop acting like it's just Hampton. Other programs have been thinking about it too. FAMU for the longest been talking about leaving. So, let it go. And if you're still hating, you know, basically, I'm glad you're we're on your minds. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and you you touched on something important, which is um like the the conference, like and how the Big South should get us better seating in, like, yeah. postseason tournaments. Like, empirically, like, I know guys are saying the Big South isn't better. That's just not true. Like, empirically, if you look at the numbers, the Big South is ranked higher. They, nice. they place more teams in playoff situations. Their teams are ranked higher in playoff situations. So from that standpoint, it's a win. And if we can continue to play um, our – traditional rivals that's another win that all being said i still don't like the move but there are there <laughs> is some upside to it you know what i'm saying yeah it's, it's not all bad and no the MEAC is not um the big south you know the <laughs> MEAC is stagnant you know the conference is um you know treading water we talked about this before man i mean the MEAC is uh treading water because our schools are treading water so that's a whole another yeah. whole another um discussion so um yeah if the hate is, is strong it's interesting um but you know along those lines let's talk about a and t man so uh, that was a big win they had over jacksonville state um they were ranked number five in the fcs past couple years a perennial team it's almost like a, a bcs team light as far as they're you know they're in the trenches they're strong so um, um to get that win for a t to get that win in Jacksonville State is a huge uh, win for a t and the MEAC. So it was a sloppy game, but uh, for me, as far as I can remember, it has to be one of the most meaningful regular season wins for HBCU football program. Since I say 2000, can you think of a more meaningful win? Not Now, we've had some Division One, you know, I mean, beating like BCS teams. But that doesn't really, I mean, it means something, but this is like, counts you know because it'll help you in your playoff seating if you need that i mean i, I can't think of a more meaningful one for uh hbcu football team no i can't either i mean i do remember you said you were there when hampton beat uh james madison at james madison yeah but, but yeah. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> no you, you, you're right it wasn't i think that was because jacksonville was ranked number six you know and I think initially probably took them for, for granted, but I mean, once <laughs> once A and T started laying the wood to them, they realized okay, we're we're in for a dogfight here. Yeah. So 
So, no, that's why I think that immediately that um, this is probably one of the biggest wins we've seen since uh, in a long time, you know, in a very long time. Yep. And another follow-on question to that, do you think A&T is the best program, football program, football HBCU program since 2000? I I think so. Ooh, that's hard, man, because if you think about it, man, we're talking about Taylor's teams, you know, because, you know, that 2000, was it 5 through 2017, you know, that, uh, or we're talking Princeton Shepard, I mean, Alonzo Coleman, Justin Durant, uh, Kendall Langford, and Marcus Dixon, Jerome Mathis, Markway McDaniel, and Red Jones, you know, those are some good teams. But they did not have a signature win like that. Nope. They always lost. They lost to William & Mary. And they lost to Richmond. Then they lost to uh, to um, New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, God. So, yeah. um, you know what? I, I got to give it to you. You know, I, I agree. I mean, I do think that uh, that probably was one is one of the best programs we've seen in that time. You know, I think there was a fan. You no. Know, Fam, you went to the playoffs, and I, did they beat anybody? No, they didn't beat anybody. Nope. But, uh, no, it has to be A&T, and, and I, I give them their props. You know, Rob Broadway built a juggernaut of a program. Yep, yep. Yeah, they're, they're dominant, man. We'll see what they do this year. But uh, it's impressive what they got going on in Greensboro. Um, so they, it looks like they are on schedule to win the MEAC this year. I think Howard will be contenders as long as Kayla Newton is healthy. And then the dark horse, of course, is Bethune-Cookman. I don't trust Bethune-Cookman because I don't trust their coach, but still, yeah. they, they will still have the best roster in the MIA. Yeah, I think Bethune-Cookman, you know, yeah, I do agree with um, you. Sims, to me, I mean, they always start off slow and end up winning from late. And we have saw them when they played the Florida Classic. Um, last year, you know, they were down by 14 late in the fourth quarter. And hell, even we were down 14 to them. And we came back and led them late into the fourth and had a chance to win it. So I don't trust his style when it comes to um, coaching, um, um, you know, coaching this program. Um, I do think that they have never had a really good quarterback since Alan Suber or Patel Troutman, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I do think that, you know, they've always played musical chairs when it comes to their quarterback. So I am not really sold on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll look the part, but they're going to mess up somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Like every year. So, and last, lastly out of the MIAC, what do you think about Norfolk State, man? I mean, uh, Scott, man. Uh, people seem to be their patient is wearing uh, thin with Latrell Scott. Unfortunately, I don't think he's gonna get it done this year, man. What? what you, <laughs> I think it's time for him to move on, man. Oh, I agree. I I think for him, um, Norfolk State to me, I mean, a lot of it isn't really on him. You know, to me, they have a stagnant athletic director and Marty Miller. I'm talking about. I mean, I hate to talk about somebody, but I mean. You know, they really have not really done anything, you know. And I, when I see um, when I see Latrell Scott, you know, I almost feel sorry for him, you know. But at the end of the day, though, I mean, he, it, I mean, I think when he first started getting um, becoming a hot candidate, 
you know, along the coaching tracks, you know, because I think he coached at Tennessee at some point, and people were talking about him, talking him up, talking him up. Then he got the head coaching job at Richmond, and Richmond, you know, everybody was expecting, you know, a, a, a really good uh, year from him, and I think they went five and seven, five and six the first year, and then he was let go after that year for I think personal reasons. Then he went to uh, Virginia State, and you know, he did really well there. And I think that was, you know, I mean, that's maybe the level that he might be, he, he might excel at was that Division two level. But then he went to Norfolk State, and a lot of people thought he was going to bring that magic from Virginia State to Norfolk State. And unfortunately, it didn't translate. I think he hasn't found a good quarterback. I do think that the quarterback they did play last year that played against us was decent. You know, I just think that, he has not put all the pieces together, and he did hire some of the worst um, assistant coaches, and I think one of them we've dealt with before, and I don't want to say his name. He was assistant coach in Hampton, but some of the things that some of the questionable hires that he has brought in you know, have come back to bite him, and that assistant coach that I was referring to, I think showed up, did not even coach one game, and he was in the stands. You know, <laughs> giving out tickets. You know, he probably he probably don't have money to recruit the kind of guys he needs. Exactly. So I mean, I just think that even I mean, they could go out and just get a fresh candidate. And to me, I I'm not going to say Norfolk State is a program that coaches go to die. You know, I think that's mainly Delaware State and now increasingly Morgan State. And um. But I just think that, to me, North, the Norfolk State program, to me, is like a, if you just need four years just to kind of get 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 a paycheck, you go to Norfolk State to coach, you know? <laughs> I mean, because to me, I don't think it offers enough right now. And that's not no smack talk or whatever you want to call it. I mean, the players there just have not, I mean, they just have not produced. Yeah, I mean, it's almost we've dead. Lost I mean, the program yeah. is kind of dead. It's just, yeah. they're just there. And then the nerve of to hear some of them online, you know, say things like, oh, well, we don't want to play Hampton no more. We good with Hampton. Man, we'll, they crazy. We'll, they might, they yeah. might lose to Virginia State this week, man. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Just like last year. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, got, you guys lose into Virginia State. Virginia State. You might as well start losing a Livingstone or to <laughs> Virginia Union. I mean, I mean that is. Oh God, don't get me started. I, I'm sorry, but the fact of the matter is, it's like they say, "Oh, we only care about the Labor Day Classic." Really? Okay, you've been losing the Labor Day Classic of late, you know. Hmm. Oh, so no, I just think that for for trail, man. To be honest, man, if this is your last year at Norfolk State, I'm sure. Prunty will find you a gig here back at your home by the sea. Come on home, brother. Yeah, we he was, he was a, a fabulous tight end, man. Yeah. Running back tight ends coach, some kind well, of we co offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, you can do something, you know, you can do something here, you know. I mean, I mean, we would love to have you back, but um, unfortunately, I just don't think, you know, it's just not nothing. It's not enough juice around the program when he's there. And you can kind of tell he just – Looks like he's just going through the motions. Yeah, he looks and defeated, man. He don't. He, he looks look very defeated. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. I feel for him. I just think that 
their their last great hope was P. Adrian, and P. Adrian, you know, was tired. So. Hey, time out. Hey, you, you, you know what? Thinking of speaking of Adrian, now who's been giving us the most slack, right? Oh, you know, flack for moving a big south. Like you said, Norfolk State. Now, mm-hmm. and they talk about selling out and all that. The mm-hmm. last time Norfolk State football was relevant, they had a white coach and a white quarterback. Thank you. You remember uh, they had Wally World. Yeah, oh. and compete. And he would. <laughs> Chris, I mean, Chris Wally literally was lighting everybody up. Like he was the type of guy you could not give him any time. He will embarrass you. And then before him, they had um, Casey Hansen. And Casey Hansen beat us like we like they stole something. <laughs> yeah, like we stole something. <laughs> I'm talking about like he. Like, he like I think we were up like fourteen or no, like thirteen on him, and he just put on the show and beat us by uh, a field goal like at the end of the game. It's just so at the end of the day, though, you know exactly Norfolk State man. I mean, we we look at you as our neighbors who need help all the time. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, you bit the hand and feeds you. I mean, I'm talking about you didn't even, like, you didn't leave a small mark. You bit, you, like, chomped into the hand. And I'm sorry, you know. Okay, yeah, we might not play y'all, but at the same time, we know where y'all paydays come from. Y'all paydays come from us going to Eccles Arena, you know. Your paydays come from, you know, you know, playing the Labor Day class. Your paydays don't come from Morgan State, Delaware State coming in. No. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, first of all, you're a little geographically, you're on the eastern side of Virginia. You know, I'm sorry, they're not coming. So, and the local neighborhood is not coming either. Yeah, man. <laughs> crazy. So, yeah, it'll be interesting here for Norfolk State in the MIAC. So, we'll be watching, man. So, one last quick question. I would we've been going at it for a while. It's pretty pretty cool. What is HBCU football getting better? I, I, I'm I'm seeing this sentiment uh, frequently on the internet. I'm not so sure. I'm not sold yet. Um, uh, we need to have more consistent wins out of conference. We had one good one this year. I'm not sold yet, man. What do you think? Um, I'll say this: HBCU football to me is getting smarter. And that's yes, true. We, I agree. I agree. We have moved away from that. I call it the Earl Holmes era, you know, the the loud mouth yelling coaches who think that they can yell a team to victory, you know, (laughs) you know, hey, run the ball, boy, you know, you know, just, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, that's Pop Warner League football. It works at Pop Warner. It might work at junior high and high school where, you know, that type of, you know, not. Throw them into the stands mentality, you know. Hit, hit, hit the quarter. No, it, it doesn't work. I'm sorry, you know. If you notice the, the mm-hmm. type of coaches that have re- that are now into HBCU um, football, you know, you look at Mike London. You know, he is a class act head coach. He knows he is an X's and O's guy, and he knows how to get the people into right the right situations, you know. Then you look at Rod Broadway. He has built four different programs. You know, I mean, we're looking at A&T, Central, Grambling, and I think he was at UNC, you know. he, I mean, 
he know he's a he's a he was a professional. Then you have Sam Washington. You know, these are really good coaches. Then you got Eric Dooley over at uh, Prairie View A and M. He learned from um, the head coach at Grambling. Um, and then, of course, um, you got um, Robert Prunty. You know, he came from a a FBS program. So I think what is happening is when they stop hiring these retreads, you know, if you notice, it used to be, um, <laughs> you, you, you would see this. It would be a coach, like, at, uh, let's say, I'm not going to say a name, but we had an offensive coordinator here. And he was a pretty good offensive coordinator. Here. I know who you're talking about. I was going to yes. mention the same guy. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he had some really good offenses here. But then when his when his mojo dried up, he moved on from Hampton. Then he was at Alabama State for a little while. Then he was at Tennessee State. Then he came, uh, then he was at, uh, I think, um, Prairie View for a quick, no, Alcorn for a quick little minute. Then you saw him, he was, he came back somewhere and he was a wide receivers coach somewhere. So, but those are the retreads that I'm talking about, you know, you just bring it like you're familiar with that person. And I think that HBCUs have gotten away from being familiar with these people. They're, they've gone after other coaches from other conferences. Now, it hasn't always worked because I think Tony Hughes that came from Jackson State, you know, everybody was thinking, he came from Mississippi State, and everybody was like, oh, here we go. He about to bring in a fire. He about to bring all these kids in. But you can be a good recruiter, but you got to be able to know how to uh, coach these kids up. You know, he brought, Jackson State pretty much was killing the recruiting battles, but the guys that they were bringing <laughs> they couldn't coach them up. They just got beat up every time. You know, I know this is the second year, but, you know, I just think that we, are, we have gotten smarter on coaches. And I'm not going to say we put money into these programs. I just think that we've, we've, we've invested our money smartly. And the reason why I say that, if you look at A&T, they now have named their stadium. They've given away the naming rights to their stadium. They have u- utilized their national television experience that benefits the university as a whole. Their enrollment numbers have shot way up, you know. I mean, same way with Grambling. Grambling now has enrollment numbers up. And if you notice, all it, the the actual exposure has trickled down to every facet of both Grambling and A&T. A&T now, um, as auxiliary sports like basketball and track, are now contenders. Same way with Grambling. Their basketball pro- program was better. So... I just think that it's gotten better at certain points, um, and it's, I would say, smart investment. Right. I agree. You know, and speaking of retreads, uh, we had another coach. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was an off, also an offensive coordinator, and then he went to Morgan State, uh, and he was there for a while, and he didn't do much there. So then he, he just recently went to one of the SWAC schools, <laughs> Coach was fired last year, and he took over as an interim. Yeah, and, and I guess he did okay as an interim, so they promoted him to head coach. Man, I'm thinking like, why would you promote him to head coach? Like, <laughs> what has he done? Like, they're they're messing up the schedule. I mean, I don't want with this the man, but I mean, there's nothing that he's done. So I, I think they're bucking the trends. Like, you, they should have gone out and got somebody who who's uh, going to be a little, you know. More of a different thinker, 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, they, they're bucking that trend, but you're right. I mean, except, save for A&T, who Broadway, who just knows how to win. Like, yeah. the teams that are bringing in new blood are winning. Yeah. And, you know, and that program that you reference, I mean, they have the best uh, facilities in all of HBCU. Yeah. You know, sports. The football stadium is the best. Their basketball stadium is very good. They have a very good track and field unit. They, I mean, they literally hands down the best facilities in the actual H, in HBCU. And hell, FCS, some of the best. Yeah. But at the same time, they do this, oh, this dog and pony show of hiring a retread coach. And to be honest, though, I know this coach. I've known him personally. And I just... You know, he's a, I would say, a good, he's the North Turner of HBCU football. <laughs> <laughs> he's always going to be a good coordinator and just keep it right there. He should never be a head coach. Yep, yep, man. You're right. And I know we've been going forever, but it, I think the new coaches, especially the ones that come from uh, BCS schools, mm-hmm. like they find a way to get the administration to spend money. Yes. Like, um, I mean, there are some things that Prunty has been saying in an interview. It's like, damn, have to spend the money. Like, I can mm-hmm. see, and same thing with Howard. Like, Howard, don't they have a new locker room and they're getting some new facilities mm-hmm. and things? So, you know, they 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 have some higher expect because that was honestly, man, that's the reason why HBCUs kept going with the retreads because yes. they didn't want someone who was going to come in and say, y'all got to spend some money here. They wanted a guy who was going to toe the line, but. They've opened their minds and said they've gone out and got some new blood, and they allowed the new blood to bring in the ideas that'll help you know contribute to winning. So, yeah, yeah you, and, you, you're right on with that, man. Yeah, and you know, it's just not that it's like okay, if you go into a new company and be like, hey man, this all this ain't working, man. <laughs> right. y'all gotta open up the checkbook. No, right. I mean, that's not sound advice. What I've seen from what uh, Prunty has said. To me, is sound advice. The fact of the matter is, the football offices now reflect the current team. You know, they had, I mean, it, it was always, they had players from the past, you know. I mean, it's okay. But at the same time, though, when you have digital printouts or like digital printouts on the wall of the current team, you know, there's new, uh, there's new floor, there's new desks, there's new chairs, you know, it, it, it screams that this is, you know, that we're doing something different. And the fact of the matter is, it's not even the money, it's the attitude. Like, I noticed that, you know, a lot of, of school administrators have showed up to the school. You know, they had uh, a meeting with the police, you know. I was just like, wow, we never have seen this. That's true. So this is... And this is the type of things that I say that, you know, it's sound advice and sound investment. So, I mean, to be honest, it makes Eugene uh, Marshall look like, hey, look, I brought him in here, man. You know I'm smart because I brought in this smart dude, you know, so. <laughs> yep, yep. Right on, man. Wow. So this has been a good show, man. Welcome. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Welcome back. And um, we'll be back to talk about Shaw and who's following me at Monmouth after that. Yeah, yeah, mom up in New Jersey, you know, so I'm going to see if I can make that up, make get up there, you know, but um, um, I'm definitely going to try and check this game out online because I just want to see how it works. Yes, I agree. And, uh, 
and I'm going to do some research on how to find it. Bet. And uh, thanks, man, and go Pirates. Go Pirates.